guess we're making progress on that front. Um, we're planning to do some Gurnishta and I, some videos on um, certain subjects. One, um, one of them being the, there's, the, there's a controversy in the ISKCON society as to whether or not it's uh, appropriate or scripturally correct or spiritually correct, whatever, for women, Vaishnavis, to be gurus. Apparently, some people think strongly that that's um, a bad thing. And um, um, recently it was debated on on Nam Ross's podcast. So um, the fellow who was sexist, I would say, marshaled a lot of quotations from the scripture to support his position, but uh, it's clear that he doesn't understand the quotations and the implications of them and, and um, is unfamiliar with the commentaries and is propagating unbeknownst to him, what Rupa Goswami would refer to as bhakti covered by karma. So we're gonna do a, a little uh, presentation on that. I think that would be appreciated by the, by the community. So something we're working on. And, um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're busy here with the, with the early storm and the coming of winter, a lot of things to do on a rural property. <clears throat> but it's a beautiful time of year. All the Japanese maples uh, with all the bright colors and whatnot. Everything's green and we're sitting just above the fog today, um, which I consider a manifestation of the Ganga here at Eldoria. So uh, everything's good. What are the, uh, I want to go ahead and take the questions. Okay, uh, we'll start with Vijay Kumar. Okay. Vijay? It's up there, but I don't see him unmuting. Vijay, you're muted still. There you are. Okay. Unmute. How's that? No, you're Can good. you hear me now? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. I'd already asked my question. But, <laughs> oh, Donnie Watts, and I'm glad you're enjoying yourself in Adoria. Uh, we know Radha is bequeathed to another and marries. Who is he and what role does he play in the drama? I get him mixed up with uh, Sishupal and Rukmini being stolen for, for um, uh, but uh, for Krishna. But uh, who did yes. Radha marry? And what role does he play? I couldn't the, find anything. Uh, the husband, the husband, yeah, the husband of Radha is. Um, who, Garmaj, you're freezing up a little bit. Um, 
but we didn't hear. Yeah, can you? Yeah. Gurmaraj, you're not. Um, can you hear me now? Yes, but you were freezing on and off. So I don't know if you can adjust anything. There's nothing I can adjust. It's we were. It's the status of our internet. It's a little bit uh, less uh, speedy than desired, I suppose. But um, you can hear me now, right? Yeah. So maybe everyone should turn off their videos if you if if you can. That might help with the connection. Okay. Now you're completely frozen. <laughs> Maybe it's nice to see everybody too. Yeah, no, it's really nice. I know it's just. How about now? Can you hear me now? We can hear you, but you're fr you're you're frozen. Hello? Your picture's frozen, and your voice is coming in and out. It's not great. Yeah, we can't hear anything you're saying now. I don't think he's saying anything. He's muted. Now, can you hear me? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, the husband of, um, of Radharani, I think he's named Abhimanyu. Um, and um, he is um, uh, thought to be a particular manifestation of Krishna. Uh, for the sake of uh, parakya, parakya meaning uh, uh, the uh, apparent illicit uh, paramour love of Radha and Krishna. So he's a, a necessary, um, his role is necessary in the, in the drama. And um, of course, uh, Radharani lives then at the house of her, her mother-in-law Jatila married to her son, Abhimanyu. But again, um, this is uh, not something that's uh, his, his name is not mentioned in the uh, core uh, scriptures like the Bhagavatam um, or any Puranas as far as I know. Um, but the idea that Rod is married and that she's engaged in a parakya relationship with Krishna is, is clear from the core texts. And uh, the main principal commentators on the Bhagavatam, which is the core text for ourselves and arguably the, the uh, most important uh, Purana, if not the most important of all the Hindu sacred texts, as Jiva Goswami makes the case, um, the comment, principal commentators are our own Gaudiya charges, and um, they fill in some, some details that aren't found in the text of the Bhagavatam itself due to the circumstances surrounding its um, the occasion in which uh, Sukadev spoke to Parikshit Maharaj, and the fact that other people were in the audience and any number of things, like Sukadev's developing ecstasy and, 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 and so forth. Um, so Goswami's, Rupa Goswami, uh, Sanatana Goswami, um, Jiva Goswami, 
later Vishnu Chakvati Thakur. These are universally accepted uh, commentaries on the Bhagavatam within Gaudi Vaishnavism and then beyond. Um, uh, to some extent as well, so certainly in Brudge, that's the case. If anybody's going to speak on the Bhagavatam there, they're going to refer to these, uh, the, uh, the, these commentaries. So there we find that uh, detail, uh, the name of uh, Radha's husband, and then theologically, the idea that he's a partial expansion of Krishna for the sake of Leela, but he plays an important role, obviously, so that there can be the kind of intrigue that intensifies the romanticism between Radha and Krishna. Um, what was that book? The I book? Mention, I didn't oh. mention a book. Um, oh. It goes to the commentaries of the Goswamis and their own books I on Leela. You will find the name Abhimanyu but the role, which is more important, that he plays is, is, is significant because when there is an obstacle to the um, romantic life of Radha and Krishna, then that intensifies the yearning for union between the two and creates a, a whole opportunity for um, the uh, sakis and certain sakas, dharma sakas, friends of Krishna to be involved in the drama of uniting them um, and all all the intrigue that that involves. So he plays uh, Radharani's husband a very important role. The implication um, in Govinda Lilamrita, which is a book written by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, um, uh, concerning Abhimanyu as the husband of Radha when the text says that he sleeps in the cow shed is that he's a eunuch. <laughs> so a little added, a uh, little bit of information there provided to uh, protect any uh, thinkers that uh, Radha Rani might be in a sexually compromised position. Um, um, I should mention using the word sexual that I was once asked, is there any real quote unquote sex life in Brudge in the Krishna Leela? And I replied that no, there's, you don't understand there's no real sex life in the material world. So that is the answer to your question. I hope that helps. Very much. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Our next question is in the chat, and I'll read it to you um, from Sham Das okay. in Argentina. Um, he's asking a question um, regarding the Brihat Bhagavatamrita, verse 99. Those who believe that these stories are myths become criminals and are thrown into a terrible hell. Shila Sanatan Goswami quotes the Narada Purana. O best of Brahmins, suffer in hell those who claim that the stories of the Puranas, which teach the path of religion, are myths. While I understand that the vision and conception of the world in the eyes of the Prima Bhakta is this due to his attachment for Krishna, 
and not being able to conceive of anything else outside of him. I would like to know your opinion about these quotes and how a devotee should take them in order not to enter into fanaticism or belittle other religious practitioners or people who have their doubts about these statements. Um, I don't recall that um, particular verse and commentary, Sanatana Goswami, I'd like to take a look at it. Um, I assume that uh, Shamdas is quoting from the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust's edition translation by Gopi Pranadana. Uh, and you've given a reference to verse 90, but I don't know if that's a reference to the first or the second canto. The first canto involving Narada's search for the for the highest devotee and the second canto involving Gopakumar's um, attainment of Braj and his teaching about that to Jana Sharma. Um, this is second just, part, verse 99, Gumaraj. Okay, second canto, verse 99, yeah. not 90, okay. Um, um, I think it's an interesting question and an important question. And um, I, I think that there are a number of ways to, to think about it. Um, and I think that Shamdas, who asked the question, is, is wise to um, underscore in his question a couple of things. One, uh, what is the vision of one who's living in the texts, so to speak, um, and that compared to other, other visions, others who have not arrived at that uh, uh, stage, if you will, and uh, also what are the time and circumstances. It's interesting in that regard that, uh, uh, that apparently um, Sanatana Goswami was aware that uh, some persons thought of the Puranic stories as such. While that might be a popular uh, way of thinking about them, in today's world, certainly in academia, also in neo-Adwaitan uh, circles. Uh, it certainly didn't seem to be the case um, in, uh, with regard to Shankar himself, the founder of Advaita Vedanta, who obviously, although positing a Saguna form of Brahman and a Nirguna form of Brahman, the latter being the ultimate and the former being provisional, Krishna being the prime example, the Purna avatar within his concept of Saguna Brahman uh, was a very real uh, person. <laughs> and his leelas and pastimes were something that very much relished uh, by Shankar who even expressed a desire to retire on the banks of the Jamuna and, and, um, and think of them. So they're, they're thought of as historical facts uh, by uh, Shankar and, and the, you know, big, uh, ancient uh, participants in the Veda Vedanta compared to the Neo-Vedantans of, of our time. Um, but it's interesting that it, it was some 500 years ago that, that uh, some persons apparently 
had that uh, perspective that they were the product stories were myths. Um, I wonder who the, who who Sanatan is uh, referring to. We don't we don't know, um, but we know today, like I say, um, any 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 number of people. Um, now that said, also, I'm not, it's not clear exactly what stories he's talking about hmm? um, in the Puranas. Uh, there are any number of stories. Uh, some of them deal with Krishna Leela. Um, many of them uh, don't. Um, and um, uh, then amongst all the Puranas, we look at them in relation to Srimad Bhagavatam. And if something is said in one Purana that contradicts the Bhagavatam, well, we, we don't uh, give precedence preference, I should say, to, to the Bhagavatam's narrative and perspective. Puranas are written um, for people in different modes of nature, as Jiva Goswami has explained. Uh, so there's obviously some relativity to them. If we, if we, don't, we should think that any old book written in Sanskrit is whatever it says should be accepted. There are books that are, constant, that are part of the sacred texts of the Hindus, let's call them the Vedic literatures, that pertain to Gyanmarg. There are those that pertain to the Karma Marg, those that, those that pertain to the Bhakti Marg. Someone on the Bhakti Marg uh, and on the, 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 the Prema Dharma Marg of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We lost him, so he'll probably have to get back on. Oh, there he is. And I'm back. You're Hello. back. That was quick. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. So when, when you're speaking about the nature of being, reality, and so forth, to someone whose antakar and subtle body is predominated by Thomas, you're going to talk about it in a certain way. This, if it's Raj, it's so forth. So there's some, there's obviously some relativity there. So we have to factor that all into what Nathan Goswami is saying. And um, another way to think about that, of course, is that what do you mean by myth? What, what, is, what is the meaning? What is your definition of myth? Um, even in modern society, even academia, there, there are different ways of interpreting myth. Myth is thought to be a way uh, in which people at different times, like prehistorical times or pre-scientific times, 
recorded their own history by telling it in stories. So they're speaking about something that's real in their times in terms of their perspective, their perception of the world and, and so on and so forth, which is, which is always changing. That's another thing. The material world is always in flux. It's always changing. There's always something new to find out about it. Uh, humans are very different than they were uh, thousands of years ago, hundreds of years even. Um, and because our humanity is, is, is lends itself to nurture. So nature of the environment, physical, social, psychological, and so forth, creates a really almost a, a nuanced uh, species of humans. And so, um, uh, so in, in times gone by, people would tell, it's thought in some sectors in modern society, people would tell their history or perspective of the world, which might sound, their perspective might sound uninformed compared to ours, we're living in a different world in many respects. Mm -hmm. um, so how, how, how much it's wrong or right is a question in and of itself. But at any rate, they would tell, speak about, write about their perspective through stories. And so the stories, are they, are they false? Does myth mean false? Or does myth mean a way of talking about reality uh, through, through a story? Like, let's say I want to tell you, uh, make a point, a story to make the point. You could say the story's not true. It's made up, but it's, but it's, but it's, it's truthful at the same time. Um, um, so, you know, it depends how you use the word, word, word myth. Um, and uh, I think uh, if you look, I've written in Aesthetic Vedanta, at the introduction to Aesthetic Vedanta, that, you know, the story of Radha and Krishna may be thought in modern society to be mythological. Um, and again, it depends how you take that word. If you take it to be entirely false, well, you, you really kind of fall flat with that explanation because there's a falsity to our perception of good and bad, happy and sad, that's relative to our mindset and, and senses. My good, my happy, my, my, my hot, my cold may be just the opposite for, for you because that's a subjective perception relative to the instruments that we have. Mm -hmm. um, so we live in the world of our mind. Uh, it's not such a sovereign uh, kingdom. <laughs> if you will, uh, uh, and the story of Vedanta is, is, is to overthrow uh, the mind um, and, and, the, and the myth, if you will, quote unquote, of Radha and Krishna has a very powerful effect to dethrone the, the, the emperor of, of the mind ruling tyrannically over us as it does and, uh, and freeing us from the falsity hmm, of its uh, dictates and uh, uh, limited perspective. Hmm. So we know what's false, what's true <laughs> uh, is the world of sense perception and the impressions 
derived there from relayed to the mind, which accepts or rejects and comes up with the, uh, the dualities of good and bad, happy and sad, hot and cold and so forth. Is that real? If, if that's not real, and we can make a good case for that. Then a story that, that is able to expose that and replace it with a perception, uh, an experience of the Atma and its prospect. Well, you know, where's the myth? Um, where's the falsity? So there's a lot of ways to 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 uh, think about it, and at least I would I would I would say that from the uh, Goswami's perspective, from the Gaudiya Vaishnav perspective, dealing with the story of Krishna in the Bhagavad Purana, which is our central concern, uh, we say that the the story of the Leela is. Um, is a limited way, as we find in the Bhagavatam, of speaking about a reality that transcends uh, speech and transcends thought, um, but is nonetheless, as we can derive from the talk about it, the re retelling of the Krishna Leela that we find therein, um, it is uh, uh, a, a story about the fact that in transcendence there's movement, in transcendence there's variety, that love trumps uh, knowledge, it's the end of knowledge, that there is a um, possibility for the, for the condition, materially conditioned self, Atma, to enter into a, a dynamic union with the absolute that we call, refer to as Leela. Then we give all the logic and reasoning uh, for Leela, which is which is considerable, that we could that we could marshal uh, this is considerable, um, and 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 then the stories are somehow you know speaking about the nature of Leela, and they're empowered stories by persons who are experiencing it in trance and are limited by language and thought to try to represent it. So I like to say that the the, the stories are not are are more than we find there. They're not less, they're more. They're not a metaphor for Advaita Vedanta, mm -hmm. uh, or they're not a metaphor for just, uh, like Ramayana might be seen as a metaphor for a nice story, how to be a good person, how to be a righteous Dharmic person. No, uh, they're, they're, they're that, but they also uh, are rich, if you will, with, uh, with, with rasa. Hmm? The Bhagavatam has the power to strip the atma of any um, dress that it, that it acquires in its role in the drama of samsara and at the same time being uh, full with uh, the flow of rasa it has the capacity to inundate at the same time um, us with that that flow and then give us a role in the drama of of Krishna Leela. So um, uh, so the, the the story of Krishna Krishna is telling us there's such a thing as Leela and 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 again, 
the stories are empowered because they are words that are and thoughts that are coming from those who have experience of it, like Vyas and Samadhi. Hmm? Um, and therefore, they're limited in their ability to capture it and, and all. So if you want to add it up, this is over here, this is over here, it seems like a little bit of a contradiction. How could that be? There's only so many miles, uh, you know, the, the circumference area of Vrindavan. How could there be this many cows calculated out? You know, and, well, you know, that's, it, you have to understand, is a limited capacity we have, anyone has, a sage, uh, a realized person to talk about something, to put into words something that's, that transcends words, but the words that they attempt to do that with are empowered words. You're gonna get rasa from just poetry, bhakti rasa, but that poetry um, composed by devotees who are experiencing rasa will be empowered poetry that can be very instrumental and such are the stories, uh, the Leela Grantas, the, the, the Leela narratives of the Goswamis, uh, derived as they are largely from this, from the outline of the um, story of Krishna given in the Bhagavatam. So, I mean, I'm just talking about it loosely. Um, uh, one, one part of your question is, you know, what's the position of modern people who think this is a myth? Well. Again, I think we have to look and see what they mean by myth and so on and so forth. And um, if we have the opportunity to talk with somebody, give them a broader uh, perspective on um, uh, you know, the myth, what, what, might, what might be referred to as to the mytho-historical period, which I described earlier before recorded history as it's done today with all of its shortcomings, limitations. I've talked about that before as, as a science for giving us a you know, definitive picture of what happened in the past. <laughs> it's pretty limited, um, but there, you know, people are using the tools that, that we have to try to construct the past. They're limited because of the information that they have to deal with about the past to begin with. Their own subjectivity is, is a problem. And the past that is talked about, um, that they use to determine what the past was like is a, is a subjective perspective of the people of those times. So, you know, history as a science for getting at what from um, perfect. Um, and the, but the mytho-historic period is that period that predates that type of history in which people told their own by uh, by uh, stories that could be called myths, but they're telling their so. I think that would have to be. Uh, you can just condemn someone to hell because this is uh, so strong as Ontario and Renaissance. Again, what stories is he talking about? Stories, all of them. Uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't say necessarily. I, I'd have to look at the commentary. Those are some of my thoughts. I, I would be not be quick to condemn somebody.
Okay, you're back. Yeah, it must be the weather. Um, I would, I would try to explain the concept of Leela, philosophically speaking, theologically speaking. What is what are the grounds for a transcendence in the first place, and then a transcendence that has movement and variety and so forth? Implications of that, um, and kind of, kind of, kind of start there and describe the stories, the myths, quote unquote, of the Bhagavatam uh, regarding Krishna Leela in particular be speaking about that uh, possibility, which, which is, has a lot of intellectual integrity then to it. Now, if there's a follow-up on that, I'd be willing to entertain it. Otherwise, we could take another question. Okay, well, um, the next question, Sajjan. Sajjan has a question. Yes, thank you, Didi. So um, my- I'm not hearing you, Sajan. Oh boy. Try, I, saw, I don't hear you. Yeah, try it. Make sure that you click on English and mute original audio. <clears throat> okay, I've done that. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you now. Oh, good, good. Thank you. So Maharaj, yes, um, yes my, my question is a little, a couple of different aspects. Um, in the mood of like perhaps setting aside um, all types of kind of philosophical ideas that we learned about uh, the nature of rasa or whether it's inherent or learned or any of that. Yeah, just yeah. Oh, you can't hear me again? Oh, hello? Yeah, yeah I can hear you. Now I can. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, as I was saying, just for the moment, just setting aside like any types of philosophical kind of uh, perspectives or calculations regarding the nature of rasa or um, you know its origins, whether it be inherent or learned, um, could we say that there is some value in what uh, just kind of simply being kind of like an open channel for what comes naturally within one's heart without having necessarily learned anything from, from external sources? And could we, um, could we also uh, feel that perhaps uh, there's some openness to, uh, in the same way as we might offer our services and say, what would you like me to do? Rather than kind of assert on our side, this this is what I want to do. This is what how I want to serve, but remaining open and, and just saying, uh, my Lord or, or my Lordships, uh, how would you like me to serve like that? Is there some scope for that as well? Sure. Why not? One opens oneself and uh, one is attracted to the, for example, the ideal of Krishna Leela. Uh, as given the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, let's say, for example, and uh, uh, would like to participate in that and opens oneself up in one's prayer to uh, be, have it uh, be clear to them how that might uh, 
play out in the way that would be most uh, pleasing to the Godhead, or this kind of what, what you're talking about? No harm there. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, I was okay. even... Good. Yes, yes, I, I was also uh, inquiring about, um, again, once again, things which were not learned as these are these are the uh, the choices or the options about how one should wish to serve select one of these necessarily but just what comes spontaneously from within um without again without any kind of external um kind of uh directing uh so to speak is there some value in that as well Well, now then, when you talk about that, you, you seem to be talking about more like a general person who wants to uh, serve God um, and opens himself up and says, you know, how would you like me to serve? Uh, and then gets inspiration from within and follows it. Uh, it seems to be the way you're talking about it, if I understand it correctly. Certainly, there'd be no harm in... Oh. You, you became fr frozen, Marge. I didn't. I didn't hear the last few um, sentences. Examples of uh, um, there is an example of something like that that I'm reminded of that Guvindadas, a poet, Bengali poet who wrote Bajahure Mana, who had a desire to well, it's a little different. He had a desire to serve God in a way that the goddess that he was worshiping. Couldn't uh, provide, so she sent him to Govinda wrote the poem accordingly. Um, so, but I mean, but to 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 cite an adage of Pujapad Sridharmarsh, which is uh, his kind of poetic explanation of an important verse of the Gita, Nahi uh, Arjun worries that if he takes the bhakti, then he foregoes the Dharma and all the rules of that, but he's not successful in bhakti, what will become of him? And Krishna very affectionate says, oh, tata, dear one, don't think like that. She put it in Sridhar words, sincerity is invincible. So you seem to be speaking about a sincere and earnest uh, approach to the matter of how you could serve God and that will always be good now how that will play out maybe you know maybe bring him to a guru and give him information and so forth but, you know but yeah that's at its core we want to we want to have that kind of sincerity and openness thank you for the question oh yes Marsh. Uh, one final thing is um you in, in the last satsang last weekend you mentioned a verse uh, composed by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, where he gives his blessings for one entering into Sakirasa. Is there some way of finding verse somewhere? Yes, yes, sure, sure there is. It's in it's in Navadweep Bhavataranga, which you may be familiar with. Yes. The book of Bhaktivinoda, it's, it's, it's a confessional text, ultimately. Yes. Because in the end, ultimately, he speaks about his own inner, inner life and so forth. But he does that after uh, you know, going poetically through the different islands of Navadweep, the nine islands, and, and uh, speaking about them. So in the island of Godrum, hmm. this is an island that uh, represents Kirtan, and it also represents Nandagram, which is a, which is a place for Sakirasa in Braj. 
So when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in the morning, uh, on his way out, Sankirtan, which is analogous to Krishna going out and herding cows at that time of the day in his Leela, he enters into Godroom and he sees some cowherd boys in, in Bengal herding cows. And they say to him, hey, pal, we, we, we know you're not, you're not a Brahmin. What's this guise that you've got on here? Hmm? And they start talking like, and Mahaprabhu goes into the ecstasy of the cowherd boy and Bala and, and Nityananda Prabhu follows and so forth. And, um, and so Bhaktivinoda prays there that uh, may I reside in, in Navadvip in Gopa, Gopa, Gopa Bhav, in the Bhav of Gopa. So you can look that up if you have Navadvip Bhavitaranga. Uh, in fact, what I'll do today, I'll, 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 I've written about this in my forthcoming book. I'll take, maybe it's one or two paragraphs. I'll try to extract those and send them to you so you can, you can understand that it in both ways, the both ways I talked about, how it could be looked at from a Madhuri Rasa point of view or a Saki Rasa point of view. Look um, for that in your, in your box, okay? Yes, that'd be wonderful. Thank you so much, Marsh. Thank you. Okay, very well. Okay, okay. Um, we have another question in the chat from Bajan. Um, he just wants to know, or she, I'm not sure if it's a he or she, how can one know that they have found the most appropriate spiritual master? When you don't ask that question anymore, then you can know. <laughs> oh. The guru speaks in such a way, our guru speaks in such a way that really touches our heart. And uh, we feel as though, yes, I feel like that. I wish I, I, I wanted to say something like that, but I couldn't articulate, but that's, that's it, right? something like that. So he or she is not an artificial imposition or uh, lawful um, ruler, um, but our own heart's uh, prospect coming coming before us, and um, what he or she says, the way they speak, the way they can he or she conducts himself or herself, the guru, um, that uh, resonates with our own sensibilities. So Guru Vakya, Guru, Guru, what is it? Uh, uh, guru Vakya, Guru Mukha, Padma Vakya, Chitete Kodiyaike. So also it said, Sadhu Shastra Guru Vakya, Chitete Kodiyaike. So we, we follow Sadhu, Shastra, uh, guru Vakya, the words of the Guru, Chitete Kodiyakya. You have three things here. You have the Sadhu, you have the Shastra, you have the words of the Guru, and you have your own heart. Chitete Kodiyakya. You want to, in one sense, it said you want to make the words of the Guru, the Shastra, and the Sadhu one with your heart. Another way of translating it is those three things have to have to forge a oneness 
with your own heart. And then you don't feel them to be external. And it's said in the Upanishads that one must have a guru. It's a different verse, I think. Sagurum uh, One must have a guru. So I never looked at this as a law, but I must have her as my guru. I must, because without that, because I feel that without, without that, I will I'll be at a great loss. So it's it's out of a out of a, a um, heart I'm going to say heart heart connection hmm? mind a reflection of the heart. So my mind is the way she talks about what he talks about. The subject works with my mind. It resonates with my heart. Um, yeah, so it's very friendly. So uh, now the unfortunate thing is that sometimes we have that feeling, but still we hesitate. Um, give another example. I have a lot of experience of giving, you know, a pretty good lecture, and someone in the crowd, maybe a god brother or a god sister, saying, "Marsh, it was a really good lecture, but." There's no place for the but. That's the problem. <laughs> In other words, you're not supposed to be able to give that good of a lecture, or you, you, you're not a member of our society, so it's not supposed to, supposed to be coming like that through you. But I never heard anything. I really liked it, but I never heard it like that before. So I'm wondering, is that right? But you're wondering, you're questioning your own, your own, your own bliss. You're doubting your own bliss. Don't doubt your own bliss. That should guide you, <laughs> right, Archon? Don't doubt your own bliss. She has experience doubting me so many times. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so, so uh, don't doubt your own bliss. That that we should that we should follow. We've been a little bit sometimes. Uh, we may have been a little bit. Uh, beaten down uh, by rules and laws um, and, and so forth. They have their place, but ultimately law is meant to be transcended by love. As much as there's law, love is lacking. As much as there's love, there's no need for laws, right? So don't say, but follow your bliss. It was very blissful, but, but it wasn't supposed to be, or I never heard it like that. Is there any can you support that? Sure, but do I have to? I mean, really, if you if it feels good, do it. You know, then <laughs> that I sound a little bit out of my generation or something like that from the sixties or something. But but there's a place for that in Gaudiya Vaishnavism as well. If it feels good, uh, do it. We, we we of course we don't uh, we we don't this we're not discarding Guru Shastra sadhu and saying it just feels good just do it but in the context of that when, it, when those things are in place then, then so um yeah they're kind of a i appreciate the question the, the doubt um, um 
and um, and it's also possible we may have more than one guru in our life where we feel that at some point early and then um, and then later uh, uh, you're in a situation where uh, another installment of uh, the um, of, of bhakti is made available to us through another guru figure that's also possible i mean many of us have that, ex that experience um i'm a siksha guru for many devotees there's some of my godbrothers and god sisters and uh for disciples of other persons and so on and so forth i have a siksha guru uh, uh in pujapat shrira maharaj um and so forth so um it's possible we may have had that feeling at an early stage about someone who helped us to a certain point and then from there um he or she was continue to do that in a dynamic way that's also possible and um by the transcendental system if you will someone else uh comes into our life so uh, we should be open to that and uh, that possibility. Seek inspiration uh, within the context of our tradition, uh, and even from outside the tradition. Tradition, we can find some inspiration if we're if we're deeply involved. We can find Guru everywhere speaking to us. So I uh, hope that helps helped me thank you for that personal instruction i take it to heart very strongly <laughs> okay um, okay we have a, a question from ben summers if you'd like to unmute yourself and ask your question Hi, krishna and pranams uh thank you for the opportunity to ask a question today um this may segue naturally um from the last question as it also relates to overcoming doubts um with respect to diksha, my understanding is the etymology of the word comes from divya gyan, um, because at the time of diksha, the uh, guru imparts transcendental knowledge to the shishya. Um, prior to receiving diksha, often doubts arise. Um, there's an insecurity or a lack of confidence um, that we're doing the right thing, following the right path. We may be attracted to chanting, to um, associating with devotees, to studying shastra, but this feeling of not having received um, transcendental knowledge or that blessing from a guru may create some disorientation. So maybe if you could offer some practical advice as to how to overcome that doubt and um, ensure that we're following the right path before we receive Diksha. Well, nice to meet you, Ben. Uh, you've written to me and uh, over the years we've had respondents. Nice to see you. Appreciate your question. Um, I think that um, there, you know, there's there's a strong emphasis on initiation, and um, and so maybe in some kind of kind of a limbo. Like here I am, I'm associating. I'm here. Uh, where am I at in all of this? Um, I think that um, 
hearing and associating prior to initiation in one's progress. It's not really limbo. It's it's uh, part of the ladder of bhakti, if you will, which is ninefold, as articulated by Rupa Goswami in his Bhaktivasamri to see in the further states, subjects. Begin is Shraddha, which means faith. Um, but there's a precursor even to that. Faith is that animating principle in life. If we believe in something, we have faith in, 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 in a particular course, we're going to take it. Um, that's why faith, Shraddha, is said to be sattvic in general, even when it plays out as tamasic or adasic and sattvic relative to the condition of one's antakarn or subtle body. So the subtle body is predominated by tamas, and then you're going to have faith that causes one you to proceed with actions that are governable and similarly rajaguna conviction, if you will, is uh, is something that therefore we often say, well, at least he believes in what he's doing. <laughs> we we think that has some virtue. You just to use a common example from English parlance. So, um, so uh, now with regard to bhakti, we're talking about nirguna shraddha because it's faith in in something beyond the gunas, right? Um, and where does it come from? Well, it comes from beyond the gunas in the form of sadhu sangha. So by sadhu sangha with Vaishnavas. Uh, their own faith is, uh, I want to say, um, contagious. So that faith comes within us. Now that enables us to formally tread the path. You could, you could be, you could be, you could be engaged in bhakti without faith. Also, therefore, sometimes faith is not considered a stage. Um, but to tread it systematically, well, you have to have some faith in it. And faith comes from seeing others who practice it, how they think about it, how they conduct themselves, um, what they say about it, and we find them inspiring and so forth. So that faith again is is contagious. We acquire that now in the context of the faith we've acquired from sadhu sangha. Now we systematically engage in sadhu sangha. So from faith initial faith to sadhu sangha, but this sadhu sangha, as opposed to the sadhu sangha that precedes faith, is sadhu sangha with faith, and and we're hearing, and, and we're, we're chanting, we're participating, and so forth, and in that, uh, We are looking for a powerful way, you know, to us. Figure from within us. Initiate. 
education that was imparted, that is the, the form, if you will, in which the Divigan takes shape, so to speak. And then you could say, in a more systematic way, proceeds along the path. But this stage prior to being in a stage and um, about what a guru you know, is, uh, which uh, or should be, uh, what are the characteristics, what are the qualities, for example, and hearing from different sadhus and uh, and and so on. So I, I don't think there's there's cause to think there's something. Can you all hear me, Rachan? Yes. Yes, okay. you're you're breaking but up there, a bit, yeah. but just we're. I don't think there's it. cause. I don't think there's good reason to think that in that stage prior to being initiated, something is lacking. It's a tangible stage on the ladder of bhakti and an important one. And in fact, um, the more one hears um, and understands, the, there may be a period where the guru doesn't, it's been chosen, so to speak, but the guru waits to see certain things in place, um, just like tilling a soil is, is, is a good idea before you uh, plant the seed. So I think that in that stage, having chosen a guru, but not being initiated, one should feel confident that the guru is cultivating the soil of your heart before planting the seed of Divyagyan and imparting uh, the mantra. Uh, so something's going on, um, <laughs> tangible in that stage. And especially if, if, if the guru, a figure, a person has, uh, been found, so to speak, um, which is seems to be the case with yourself and regarding me. So there's, there's, there, there shouldn't be any reason to, to think I'm doing this, but I don't have divyagyan. You know, divyagyan is a big word, so it's not that you're without any divine uh, wisdom or knowledge. You're receiving it in the form of explanation, siksha, and so forth. And when you receive it in the form of a mantra, well, that's a a specific out of which a relationship with Krishna will um, arise. So I don't know, does that address your question? Very much. Thanks for your help, Maharaj. Appreciate it. Okay, very good. So I guess <clears throat> uh, do you do you want to take another question or you want to? You're frozen. I think uh, we'll, 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 yeah, we're having a bad connection too. So I think we'll stop for, for this week. And uh, we do have um, the opportunity now to get a better internet from Elon Musk's uh, uh, satellites. And we were just notified that, that, we, that uh, we're going to get the reception from him. So hopefully, it'll be up shortly in which case uh we'll be able to do better broadcasting here That's but nice to speak with you all i hope to be with you next next week as well yes Hare. thank you so much Karmaj. Hare krishna okay. Hare krishna um 
I was going to announce the classes coming up in November, and I just realized that what was sent out um, in the email yesterday was October's classes, so I don't have November's classes on my phone. So um, if everybody can go to um, Sri Chaitanya Sangha page, um, that should all be on there. So. Yeah, special classes for November and um, for Kartik. So I would like to say Hare Krishna to everybody and thank you so much for joining the call and your participation with your questions. Um, and we'll see everybody soon. Jai. Hare Krishna. Jai. Thank you. Hare Bo. Hare Bo.